We at First EPC believe that the Bible is God's word, God's truth. It is, living and, it is living and active. It is uniquely and fully inspired by our God. The only infallible way of faith and life. So we need to know what it says. We need to anchor ourselves within it. Our scripture lesson this morning comes out of 1 Kings, back in the front part of your Bible. Some great little stories back there. I'm going to read, start reading in verse 7 of, of 1 Kings. And the Bible I normally use is an ESV, but I'll read to you out of the, the Pew Bible, which is an NIV. And most of what I'll have in the message will be out of the NIV. Beginning with verse 7, chapter 17. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, Go at once to Zarephath, to Sidon, and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, And uh, bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and for your son. For this is what the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry, until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. Let's pray a moment. Heavenly Father, we do love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move among us and within us, Lord, and open this truth to our understanding. As your word says, Lord, write it on our hearts so that we can not only know it, but we can live it for your glory and our blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I would guess we all think of ourselves as somewhat generous. I like to think of myself as, the, as a generous person, or maybe the key word there was somewhat generous. Anyhow, we don't really want to be stingy toward, toward anyone. But quite often, what and how much we give is kind of a struggle in us. Isn't that right? I'm not talking about whether to give the red blouse or the blue blouse to, you know, to somebody. I'm talking about whether to give the only red blouse to somebody. It sort of makes a difference, doesn't it? I'm talking about whether to give 
give money to a stranger who might come to our door? Or how much to give for a mission offering? Or how much to give to God's work through His church? God knows everything. He knows what I have. He knows everything I have. He, he knows better than I do, really. What would He have me give? How would He have me share? How much time and talent and money? So the question, the question is, what kind of giving pleases God? What kind of giving pleases God? And, and giving is easy, really. A little bit here, a little bit there. But real giving, real giving, the kind of giving that pleases God and honors Him and brings glory to Him, that advances His work in this world, that kind of giving, real giving, as He would lead us, is a big challenge. It is. So how do we become a real giver? How do we become a real giver? How do we know how much pleases God? That's the, that's the challenge in this story that we just read this morning. God is teaching. He's teaching this, this widow. He's teaching this widow about real giving. And there may be lessons here that she needed to learn, and I'm sure there are lessons that we can glean as well. So here's the setting. There was a king in the land of Israel. You know him. You've heard of him. His name was Ahab. This uh, king, and we want to feel a little sorry for him, he was married to Jezebel. You know, what can I say? But Ahab was not a good man. And God was trying to get his attention to help shape him, to help make him move in the right direction a little bit. And the Bible says in, in chapter 16 that Ahab did more evil, <laughs> did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. Now think about that. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal He built that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Ashereth pole to an idol, a Phoenician god, Asherah. He did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. That's what we read in verse 33. He was an evil man. He was a bad guy. And God was dealing with him and dealing with him through the prophet Elijah. And that's when most of us would say, I'm glad it's Elijah and not me, right? Because this was a difficult place. And if you read these stories, you can, you can get the feel of how hard it was for Elijah. He announced a God-ordained drought, Elijah. God told Elijah to, to proclaim this drought. And that's in the first verse of chapter 17. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. And what followed was the miraculous story of God's extravagant and abundant provision for, for Elijah and for those who believed Elijah. It wasn't long before this God-ordained man, uh, before, after this God-ordained man made this pronouncement that the drought set in. And the land began to suffer. 
the streams were drying up, the crops were failing. In the beginning, in these verses right after uh, the very beginning of chapter one, chapter 17, God sent ravens to take care of Isaiah. That's pretty cool. And these birds would bring him water to drink, and they would feed him meat every morning. And now, though, God was sending Elijah to a woman in the town of Seraphath. That's up in present-day Lebanon, on the coast. She was the poorest of the poor. She was a widow, only one son, and they both were about to starve and die. She was to continue. She was the one that God chose to continue God's provision for Elijah. His life depended on it, and hers as well. But how could she provide for Elijah? She didn't have a thing. I mean, she really was the poorest of the poor. She couldn't even take care of herself. How could anyone expect her to give anything? Well, the truth is, no one did except God. Except God. Remember we talked about how God knows us? God knows everything about us. God enabled this woman to become a real giver. And in so doing, not only would save Elijah's life, but would save her life and the life of her son. It didn't happen all at once. Real giving came in a series of steps, and it most always does. Obviously, it wasn't something the poor widow could just conjure up. She didn't have anything to conjure with. It was all God's doing. So how did he do it? Well, the first step, the first step toward real giving is to get to belief. Get to belief. This woman believed in the God of Israel long before she ever thought about giving her last meal to Elijah. Think about that as you read this story again. In her first, very first conversation with Elijah, she uttered a vow in the name of Israel's God. She said, surely as the Lord your God, talking about Elijah's God, she recognized Elijah's God as the Lord, the one true God. And she even used his name, Yahweh. She called him by his name. She lived adjacent to Israel, but she was not an Israelite. Yet she believed that Israel's God to be the real God, that somehow he was, he was God. And she knew that this guy standing in front of her, was somehow connected to this God. And that's probably all she knew. Before real giving happens, God wins our heart. God shows Himself to us. That's where it starts. What I want you to see about this woman is that she was not the prophet. She was not a righteous person particularly. She was not a, a church leader. She was not even a church attender. She was a poor Gentile woman. A poor, very poor Gentile widow even, whose eyes had been opened just enough to recognize the God of Israel 
as God. As God. Not particularly her God. Not particularly her God. She was a Gentile. He was the God of the Israelites. I'm not sure she knew she could even make that crossing. But she recognized him. And she believed that he was the I am, the Yahweh, the true, the sovereign God. Real giving isn't based on how much we believe. It's, it's only based on what we believe and that we believe. Mustard seed, remember that? And God was, had long ago been planting seeds in, in, of faith in this woman's life. And now when death is knocking at the door and this, this Israelite prophet was asking her to do the impossible, she was going back to that belief. You know, that's the first step in real giving is getting to belief. Getting to belief. And then each succeeding step, God will, will grow that faith. That's what happens in this story. Look at what he did next. He didn't ask her to give everything she had. He didn't say, give me all you have. Give me everything you have. No, he didn't. He asked for something that she could rather easily give. God's a pretty gracious God. If God had had come to me one day and said, I want everything you have, well, you know, I'd be going the other way, wouldn't you? But if he builds our faith piece by piece, showing himself, revealing himself, showing that, that he can take care of us through that, then when he asks for a little bit more, it isn't so hard to do. And that's what was happening here. In verse 10, he said, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Easy done. Easy done. Now, water was scarce. Yes, indeed. The drought was taking its effect and the streams were drying up. That's probably why God sent, sent Elijah away from the wilderness where the streams were drying up, drying up even more to this, to this widow. Remember, God's trying to build faith. So he starts with a lesser need, something that that she could accomplish very easily. And it does. It builds her confidence, doesn't it? Oh, I can do that. And she takes off to go get the water. It reinforced the beliefs that she already had. And immediately she goes off. But before she's even out of sight, before she's even out of sight, Elijah stops her. Think about your life. The simple things, the easy things that God asks us to give. And that's why most of us consider ourselves, you know, generous. Because we are givers. We are. We care about others and and we want to serve God. We recognize the truth and and the presence of God in our lives. We believe, don't we? Sure we do. But how much do we believe? That's always the rub. How much do we believe? How much faith do we have? Is it even as big as that mustard seed? Now God was reinforcing and and strengthening this woman's faith in, in a very doable request. But his next step would stretch her faith. Before she even got out of sight, going to get the water, 
Elijah said, Oh, don't you hate to hear that? Oh, by the way, could you, could I please have some bread? I really like that translation in the NIV. That little word, please, you know. NASB puts it in there too. ESV leaves it out. I can just hear her heels starting to dig in, though. Kind of hard to see her in heels, but you can hear the resistance. You can just sort of feel the resistance as she begins to object. And she didn't object about the drink of water. That was within her faith to give. But now, why do you suppose she objected now? It wasn't as if she could save her life by keeping the bread for herself. Now, she was going to die either way. And she, and she says there in verse 12, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. It was her last supper. No faith here, right? The widow had come to the end. She was going to die. And nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing was going to interfere. No one was going to deny this one last gift for herself and for her son. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Who would want to interfere with that? We, we ask the same question. Why should I give to this need or, or that need and, and do without myself or, or even maybe more palatable, make my family do without? If I give God what I feel in my heart He is asking for, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to suffer. You know, we're not different from this woman, are we? And it brings up fear. We become a little bit afraid. And you know, growing faith is always accompanied by fear. It's, it's that stepping one step out into the darkness where we're not real sure just how we can handle that. Because in reality, we can't. And we're trusting God to handle that. Elijah's response was in spite of her fear. It was to give to God first. We've all heard about first fruits and all those kind of things. It's, the Scripture's full of it. Elijah says to her in verse 13, he says, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, first, Make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Elijah encourages, he even provokes her toward real giving. He's pushing. And then he tells her a promise from God. Verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. She's already acknowledged him to be the one true God. This is what that one true God says. 
The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord, until the, until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. You see what options she has now? She can trust what she sees, that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil. And she can hoard it. And she can make that final meal for her family and then die. Or, or she can believe the promise and trust what she can't yet see. That's faith. And give her food away to God. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. Real giving takes a series of steps. It always begins with giving our hearts to God. We have to get to belief. And step two, it's going to take giving to Him in smaller ways, more manageable ways, as we gain confidence in our faith, and it grows. And it's going to take a deliberate choice, finally. A choice where we really can't see the end on one side. To follow beyond what we know we can handle ourselves and give depending on God's promise to supply. What I want you to see is that real giving, real giving unleashes God to provide. To provide in His own miraculous way. That's what He did for this woman, and that's what He did for her son. And that's what He does for every one of us who can trust Him completely. When we give in faith, it unleashes and frees God to do amazing things. And when we take our most valuable possessions and we give them to God, our money, our children, our spouses, our faith's going to grow. It's going to grow. What do you think happened to Abraham and Isaac when Isaac was offered up on the altar? Faith grew that day, didn't it? It isn't just money. In fact, money's the smallest part. It's our faith. Increasingly trusting our provision to the God who loves us, who has called us into being, whom we call Lord and Master. Real giving is giving to God in a way that causes us to be more dependent on Him. And that's not shaky ground. That's solid ground. Paul said that God will supply our every need, every need, according to His riches and glory in Philippians 4. That's, that's pretty rock solid, isn't it? 
God will provide for our every need, not just a little bit, not just to get us through, but according to His riches in glory. When you're in need, when you're afraid, to open the door for a stranger or to believe the promise, realize that the only way you're ever going to have enough is to give. Really give to God. And it usually comes in steps. Give a little as God makes the opportunity. Then continue to follow His lead. Trusting more and more and more for Him to supply. And we've moved through a, a long story rather quickly. But I want you to think a bit about what you believe about God. About His promises. Are they real? Are, are these stories here just for casual reading or are they here to sort of shape us and inform us to give us a little more courage to do what this widow did everything we are and everything we have is rightfully God's he made us <laughs> he made us our heart and everything that follows trust him Trust Him with your children. Trust Him with your family. Trust Him with your health. Trust Him. Because He does care about us. The jar of flour was not used up. The jug of oil. It didn't run dry. 